Hi, and welcome to 5 Minutes of Rum, notes on rum a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Up the Grove. This episode has a couple of things that I wanted to talk about on the show, but because of my slower production schedule of late, uh, they haven't made another show yet. So in this episode, we're crossing those things off the list. And really, we're not breaking news here on 5 Minutes of Rum, so uh, the hope is that, well, my whole, only hope is for availability. So let me go ahead and check the website for availability. Uh, oops. Okay. Uh, maybe I should have been more timely with some of these shows. In any case, I'm still going to talk about Golden Devil Dark Overproof Rum in this episode, now known as Golden Devil Navy Strength Rum. And I'm going to talk about the 10th anniversary edition of Jeff Beach Bunbury's Sip and Safari, which is very much still available, and make one of the new recipe editions in that anniversary edition, the Skull and Bones. So onward to episode 83 of 5 Minutes of Rum. So first things first, uh, the, since the time I received my bottle of this rum, which was back in December of 2017 even, if you can believe that such a time existed, uh, the name has changed from Golden Devil Dark Over, Over, uh, Golden Devil Dark Overproof to Golden Devil Dark Navy Strength Rum. Uh, but because I have a bottle from the first release, the pictures in the show notes will have the old name. And unfortunately, as of this recording, K&L, who had this rum uh, in, their, in their stores as an exclusive, no longer shows, as a, shows it as available in their warehouse. So there's a link to uh, the listing in K&L in the sh- or at K&L in the show notes, so you can check back later and see if it's coming back in stock. I don't know if it's coming back, but in any case, I'll have a substitution available for today's recipe. So with that said, let's go ahead and taste the rum. Now... The uh, Golden uh, Devil Dark Overproof, as it used to be known, as now as the known as the Golden Devil Dark Navy Strength Rum. Uh, this is uh, comes in a clear 750 milliliter bottle with a plastic cap and a synthetic cork stopper. Uh, the label has some art befitting the name Golden Devil, and the rum itself is an amber maple syrup in color in the bottle. Uh, in the glass, it's very similar with some notable opaqueness, though you still can see through it. It's just a, um, you know, kind of hazy. Well, hazy is a bad description for a liquid. Um, there is, uh, you can see through it, but there it is still um, on the opaque side. Um, now, when nosing directly from the bottle, uh, pick up a little sugar and some sarsaparilla. And then once it's poured in the glass, it's uh, pretty well behaved considering the proof. Um, it's not, there's not a lot of burn or astringency on the nose. Uh, and again, there is some sugar or candy leak, uh, lurking beneath the surface when, uh, on the nose of that rum. And in case you're wondering, since this is a blend of Guianese and Jamaican rums, I don't detect the old le- old yellow label lemon heart smokiness, if that's what you were wondering. Now, when it comes to tasting, uh, once I got that first conditioning sip out of the way, uh, I took a real sip. And first, the first thing I noted was some woodiness, uh, less sweetness than the nose would have implied, though there is still some sweetness uh, and some light heat on the tongue. It's a, a medium to heavy body in the mouth and has some burnt caramel notes. There's also some faint smoke and tobacco that I picked up on subsequent sips. Uh, I don't get a lot of the funky esters from some Jamaican rums or that you would get from some Jamaican rums, uh, but I can see this as the like old dark Jamaican style that you see in so many recipes. Uh, and again, considering that this is a 114 proof offering, it is easy to sip with very little burn. So um, and I say that with respect, not as a condemnation. Now, I'm not always looking to show how I can handle a cask strength rum, although it's nice to indulge in those as well. Um, it's a little bit like um, uh, people who are drinking IPAs because they want high IBUs or high ABVs. Um, that's not really the approach that I would take. I think I would take the approach of uh, I want something that tastes good. Uh, and so I'm not looking for something to necessarily be hot or high proof. I'm just looking for something that seems to be well made. Uh, first editorial of this episode out of the way. 
Uh, let's go on to the finish. Um, I would say that the finish is probably the least remarkable feature of this rim. Uh, to me, it's very faint and goes by quickly. Um, and so the, the finish to me helps steer this rum into the cocktail direction um, as opposed to sipping it neat on a regular basis. So as a summary, um, I don't know what the, well, uh, especially right now, I don't know about the longevity of this rum in the market. It's, it's not actually out right now, but I don't know if it's coming back. Um, it is, that said, it is an intriguing offering uh, that really spoke to me as a base for a cocktail. So if it becomes an ongoing concern, I would actually start building some recipes around it. Um, if it was just a sipping rum, I'd give it a miss. Uh, because of the missing finish, but it's a strong contender for mixing in punches and tiki cocktails. Uh, hopefully this rum isn't a one-time offering and actually comes back and sticks around for a little while. Um, it's a nice alternative to truly high-proof rums, and it's a, a nice alternative to others that are in the uh, you know Navy strength or 114 range like Smith & Cross. Now let's talk a little bit about the rum itself and the production and the company behind it. The Golden Devil uh, Dark Navy Strength Rum was created specifically for K&L wine merchants by an outfit called Hunter Lang, uh, who are primarily Scotch whiskey producers. Um, as such, I've never heard of them before, not out of any of my, uh, you know, not out of distaste for Scotch. I just don't drink a lot of it. I'm certainly less of a Scotch fan than, say, I don't know, Ron Burgundy. Uh, Hunter Lang is based in Glasgow, and they appear to have a very large range of whiskeys uh, that I saw when I was going on their website. And on page four of four of their product offerings, uh, they have a picture and a link for the Kill Devil line of rum that they offer. They don't actually offer a lot of information on the site, but they are highlighting the single cask Guiana offering. So chances are the overproof slash Navy strength might be the only K&L exclusive in their line. Or if there are other exclusive, they're at least producing something outside of K&L exclusives because I have a hunch that they wouldn't put that on their site um, if it was only available through one merchant. I could be wrong, but that's just the impression that I got. Now, anyway, uh, they mentioned that they are Scotch experts, but they have also collected stocks of aged rums from Guiana and Jamaica over the years. So what they do essentially is they buy casks of those rums, and then they have them shipped to Scotland where they do bottling, and in this case, they do blending. Uh, the single cask varieties um, that they offer, that they advertise on their site, are 46% ABV or 92 proof. The Navy strength that we're talking about here today is 114 proof, which would be 57% ABV. Now, specifically about the Golden Devil Dark Navy Strength Rum, which is uh, quite a mouthful. Um, speaking of that Navy Strength Edition, it's a blend of two regions that they're buying from. Those two regions I just mentioned, Jamaica and Guiana. Now, um, given those two regions, that would probably mean a blend of pot still rum from Jamaica and most likely column still rum from Guiana. Uh, they're not that specific in their notes online, but that seems to be likely given what k had on their site as well as the... Um, the price point. So, the, like for as an example, they have uh, KNL had a 25-year single cask Guiana rum from Golden Devil uh, that was promoted as a pot still rum from Guiana, um, but that was a $200 bottle of rum again, aged 25 years. Um, I don't think that at the price point of $20, which the Golden Devil Navy Strength is, it's a $20 uh, 750 milliliter, milliliter bottle. I don't think that they're breaking into those old stocks for this particular blend. So. I'm not saying it with authority, um, but I think it is a blend of column and pot still. Um, if it comes back in stock or something you know, similar in the line goes in a wider distribution, I would definitely recommend picking some of this rum, uh, rum up, uh, particularly for mixing cocktails. Now, speaking of cocktails, um, a book I reach for consistently is Sip and Safari by uh, Jeff Beachbum Berry. Uh, Sip and Safari arrived way back in 2007, hot on the heels of his previous recipe books, The Grog Log and Intoxica. Those two previous books, they, you know, he, Jeff had started to unlock the recipe uh, recipes from Tiki's mid-century heyday, 
With Sip and Safari, not only did Mr. Berry reveal even more recipes, he started to dive in and tell the stories behind those cocktails and the bartenders that made them, as well as the uh, overall uh, mid-century tiki um, environment. So there's uh, like chapters on the Buens and Tiki Tea. There's a chapter on the Mai Kai, a chapter on Hank Riddle, just to name a few that are in there, uh, as well as like a chapter on Hawaiian uh, influence on cocktails. So it really started to tell stories and not just have a list of recipes. Not that the list of recipes was bad, but it really started to expand and tell more of the story, which I thought was particularly interesting. Um, in fact, in the uh, 2007, the original edition, uh, there was a whole chapter on uh, uh, Mr. Barry's quest to unlock the original uh, Don the Beachcomber zombie punch that originated back in 1934. Uh, thank goodness he got to the bottom of that because that is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, there's actually several versions of the zombie that I like, but there's nothing quite like that 34 zombie as long as you uh, keep it in moderation. Now, Sip and Safari was a template of sorts for uh, his future book, Potions of the Caribbean, which took a similar story-based approach to rum and cocktails that went beyond tiki. So there is a chapter that's in that Potions of the Caribbean book that's specifically about tiki and that influence, but there's a lot more of just rum uh, from the Caribbean and different recipes. So um, and I've talked about that on the podcast before, but definitely recommended that old, uh, the uh, the previous book, Potions, well, not I'm getting all mixed up. Potions of the Caribbean, I guess, now is a previous book because the most recent is the 10th anniversary of Sip and Safari. So in late 2017, the, this 10th anniversary edition of Sip and Safari arrived on the market. Uh, the original was a perfect bound book, which of course that I meant, uh, the, which of course meant that I bought a second copy and had Kinko's remove the spine and add a spiral uh, bind to it. So for ease of use in the kitchen, so it would lay flat. This new version, uh, the 10th anniversary version, is a hardbound book uh, now. So taking uh, perfect to the logical conclusion, which is a hardbound book. Um, again, very similar to Potions of the Caribbean. Uh, it's got updated graphics and photos. I probably will not slice the spine off of this one and use um, and use it in the kitchen uh, just because that be, uh, that seems to be a little bit over the top. Uh, I usually just photograph the recipes that I need to use in the kitchen and then build them and put them in a different recipe app. But anyways, uh, all that said, uh, this new book also has a 30 or this new version of the book also has a 30 page preface of new material, new information. It also has a new afterword. Uh, and has over 20 new recipes, if my math is even close to correct. I didn't count them, but I think that's about right. Um, at this point, um, I'm going to editorialize just a little bit uh, and elaborate on a couple of points on this. Um, first, I'd like to say that this community, uh, especially if you're anywhere adjacent to a, uh, a tiki bar, uh, owes a huge debt of gratitude to Jeff Berry. These recipes were dead and buried in the 70s and 80s as tiki went through its dark days. Uh, so if you enjoy this uh these types of recipes, if you enjoy uh, going to a bar and having somebody serve you a good Mai Tai, um, really, I think you need to recognize the fact that Jeff Barry brought these things back from the dead. Um, it Kind of people take it for granted these days because Tiki has taken off quite a bit in the last three, four or five years um, that they can go get a good cocktail. Uh, and, and there's a lot of it out in the community. That wasn't the case necessarily, you know, 10 years ago or even longer. Um, I think most, a lot of people... Um, bought a copy of, of Jeff Berry's books, built cocktail programs around it, they learned, um, and they've uh, sort of built uh, upon that and, and opened up like tiki nights at bars and things like that. I certainly have done the same thing on a on just on a personal level. That's how I got into making these cocktails and how I learned how to do it. Uh, I just think that the, uh, yeah, you know, take, it, take a moment and, and uh, raise a toast to Jeff Berry. Um, if you ever see him or have a chance to think, uh, you know, have a chance to see him in person, thank him for really the, the debt that he owes this community or the debt this community owes him. Jesus. 
Um, and if you complain at all about the fact that there's a, a new hardbound book uh, version of this book uh, that happens to, uh, you know, or uh, cost a couple dollars more than the old version, uh, not really much I can say other than I think you're not hooked up right. There's a lot of information in here. This isn't just uh, something that they slapped a new cover on and put it out. There's new material, there's new recipes, and there's a lot of interesting history in this book. So uh, again, to support the community, I would go ahead and, you know, buy this book if you're, if you're at all interested in it. If Tiki isn't your bag, but you're just here for the rum, eh, so be it. Then don't worry about it. Uh, otherwise, I would say just go out and get this book and, and let's let's support the cause because without uh, without Jeff's writings, without his um, without what he put out into the world, um, the cocktail world would still be um, in a darker place than it is now. All right, now I'm going to go ahead and flip hot take mode to off and let's talk about the skull and bones. So the skull and bones is one of those aforementioned new recipes that was added to uh, well, new old recipe, but it was a new addition to Sip and Safari when it was re-released. So the first thing I want to talk about is the origin of the name, not necessarily specifically Skull and Bones, but just talk a little bit about why there were names like the zombie and the Skull and Bones and things like that. Now, in a lot of cases, the only acceptable drink for, you know, uh, manly men in the uh, 30s, 40s, you know, 50s, that sort of thing was anything that was strong, didn't have a lot of other accompaniments to it. You know, think of a martini, uh, probably very dry, um, and you wouldn't necessarily want even an olive in there. Whereas like, Rum drinks, the uh, the rum drinks that were famous through Don the Beachcomber and Trader Vic's might have thought to be a little bit more um, on the feminine side. And, of course, uh, some rather unenlightened people would say, oh, I don't want that drink. I want a quote-unquote real drink. So the Don's approach to getting people to try this um, because he was, if nothing else, a great marketer um, was to give them like very strong names and um, sort of do a little marketing behind it. So, for instance, the zombie was not just called a zombie, which is already sort of like a, a an imposing name, but it was also said that you could only have two zombies. You know, that sort of uh, the air of mystery about that because ooh, you could only have two. Uh, can you stand it? Can you have two? Is because they're only going to sell you two. So there's a lot of marketing behind some of these names, and so the skull and bones is really just another planner's punch in a long line of uh, cool names for planner's punch. You know, jet pilots, zombies, things like that. Those are all essentially ways to get people to uh, look past the fact that they're having rum and fruit juice. Uh, but now, of course, we're uh, more enlightened, and so people don't get so hung up on that, right? Um, now, this recipe in particular came to Jeff Berry uh, by way of Tony Ramos, who was a bartender uh, that he stumbled upon almost literally um, at a, a Chinese restaurant uh, called the China Trader in the, I believe it's in the 80s. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, but this is a recipe, a Don the Beachcomber recipe that Tony Ramos, who used to work at some of those old uh, mid-century Tiki palaces had given to him. In fact, Jeff notes in the anniversary edition of Sip and Safari that this was the uh, the first recipe that Tony Ramos gave him, um, gave him before Tony had retired and moved to, uh, to uh, Las Vegas. So that's where this recipe comes from. Now, I'm not going to recount the whole story because I, I think you should read it in the book, but the short version is that Jeff Berry ran into Tony Ramos um, at a place called Madame Wu in Santa Monica where... Um, where Tony had gone to do bartending after spending a great deal of time at the China Trader in Burbank, which is where he got his start. Um, he also did some time at Don the Beachcomber. That's where he got some of the Don the Beachcomber recipes. So the short version of the story is that um, it, by sheer coincidence, uh, 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 Mr. Barry and his wife ended up at Madame Wu's Garden in Santa Monica. Um, they got their menus. They recognized some of the cocktails on the menu as being um, tropical cocktails or tiki cocktails. Um, they realized that they were getting sort of the real deal. And sooner or later, uh, people in the early days of Tiki's revival were gathering there and doing things at the uh, Madame Wu's uh, banquet facilities, uh, you know, having 
um, Otto von Stroheim, who started Tiki Oasis, having parties there um, and doing actual, you know, Tony Romo serving authentic drinks um, from Tiki's heyday there. So um, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, Tony Ramos, another one of those in the long line of people who, um, you know, the the um, people owe a debt of gratitude to. Um, and thank you for, for him for sharing that recipe. Now, through the magic of editing, you won't know that I've had to record this part five times, but let's get to the recipe for the skull and bones instead of just talking about the skull and bones. The skull and bones is one and a half, one and one half ounces of 151 proof Demerara rum, but in this case, we're using the Golden Devil Dark Navy Strength Rum. Uh, three quarters of an ounce of aged column still rum. So I'm in this case using Cana Brava Reserva Aneja. Um, uh, particular to that rum, please have a listen to episode 56 for more info on the Cana Brava Reserva Aneja. Uh, it's one of my favorites in this particular style of rum, um, but it's not easy to find locally for me. So I pick some up when I see it. Fortunately, the Cana Brava 3 is readily available in my area, and that's my go to for daiquiris. Uh, next up, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice, one half ounce of passion fruit syrup, one half ounce of grenadine. Uh, fortunately this week I had a little bit of a syrup making party, uh, well, one person's syrup making party, but whatever. Um, and I have some fresh passion fruit syrup and grinding on hand. Um, and then the recipe calls for six drops of Pernod and one dash of Angostura bitters. Uh, I am using the smuggler's cove, uh, method of use of combining those and having them on hand. So I used one dash of Herbstura, which is equal parts Pernod and Angostura combined in a dasher bottle and then eight ounces of crushed ice. So combine all of that in a mixing cup, adding the ice last. Uh, mix that in a spindle blender for five seconds and then pour unstrained into a skull mug or a double old-fashioned glass. That's about the size of this, of this cocktail. Um, after that, you can add ice cubes to fill. Uh, garnish as the inspiration takes you. Um, I find a couple of mint sprigs to be nice, but if you have an artistic uh, streak, maybe indulge yourself. Maybe carve a skull out of a, out of a lime, which is what I think the picture in uh, um, Sip and Safari is, it shows. But I'm not actually going to carve a skull out of a lime. Anyways. So what I did for this recipe was I actually made three versions. Um, I made a baseline, which was the uh, the original version with the 151. And then I made a version with the rum from this episode. And then I have a substitution. So let's go ahead and go through my notes from tasting all three. The one I have right now in front of me is the uh, one with this rum. But I did taste all three and make all three previous to this. So the baseline was where I used uh, Lemonheart 151. I used some yellow label actually on that. Uh, so it's not as strong as a 34 zombie, but you can taste the strength of rum in that because again, you're, you're going a full ounce and a half, um, of the, of that strong rum. So I made that baseline again, like I said, with yellow label 151, um, because I, I can, I still can. And I enjoyed that one quite a bit. It was heavy and boozy. Um, the booziness was somewhat cut by the passion fruit and grenadine, um, you know, I, I don't think I liked it more in terms of strong planners punch style drinks. I still prefer a zombie punch to making a, uh, like a, um, hell in the Pacific or, or this, in this case, the skull and bones. Um, that said, I, you know, I, I like the drink, but I just like the two variants I made a little bit more. So next up is the version for this episode where we've toned down. We're not, uh, in 151 territory anymore. We're at uh, 114 territory. And so we incorporate more, not more, literally, but you get to taste more of the tropical juice. You get more of that lime juice, more of that passion fruit syrup comes to the forefront because you're not getting such an overload from the rum. So this version is definitely a cocktail I can get behind and make more of. Um, you know, I've made a few of them here and there. I've, I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and it's it doesn't have the 200% hit of, of, of strength from the original. So uh, it actually ends up being kind of a nice medium. Uh, oftentimes... If it's, you know, if it's uh, not a case where I, I think a zombie 
is going to be a good idea, right? You got to kind of plan around a zombie because it's stronger, especially if you're going to have one or two or two of them. Um, and sometimes I reach for a jet pilot in that case because it's a little bit of the same profile but not as strong. Uh, also, the the skull and bones works sort of in that same area, but it has passion fruit, so it's a little bit different. Um, and then I made one more, and this is the substitution. So if you can't find the the golden devil rum. Uh, what you can do is make one more, and this time use that OFTD. So that's the Plantation OFTD, Old Fashioned Traditional Dark. Um, it stays near the original's profile, um, and I found this one might be the sweet spot. So, right, you get a little bit more oomph because the, the OFTD is a little bit higher proof. Um, the lower proof was juicy and delicious. This one gives you a little bit more of the strength, but doesn't really reach terminal velocity like the 151 version. So, um, whereas the zombie for me works really well because there's a couple other elements that sort of take the edge off the rum. And I find the zombie just super interesting because it's so strong and yet so drinkable. Um, I would say for the skull and bones, the OFTD actually made my preferred version of it. The, uh, the, uh, killed or sorry, the golden devil rum was actually really, uh, good in it as well. But I think as an ongoing concern, I think uh, OFTD is going to be a little easier to find. So if you want to make this uh, recipe, and you have OFT local to you, I think that you'll find that to be a very agreeable cocktail. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. Show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number 5 minutesofrumcom The show is also on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player as 5 Minutes of Rum. Uh, if you like the show, please tell a friend about it. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram as at 5 Minutes of Rum. That's the at symbol, number 5 Minutes of Rum. Please send in comments, corrections, feedback, and requests via the 5 Minutes of Rum website or on Twitter or on Instagram. And now, go get some rum.